Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Two Fit Podcast. Welcome back. It has been a while. It has been a while. Did a Facebook Live show last Friday. In case you didn't see that, you can still check it out. But we're back and better than ever. And um, we have a new podcast studio at yeah. Two Fit HQ. Sitting in it right now. It's amazing. It is. It's nice. Good feeling. You guys, you're in Fort Worth, you need to come check it out. It actually feels like our audience is here right now. <laughs> Does it? I don't know. I feel pretty secluded. Um, yeah, so what do we... This was a cool episode. We went down to Austin to interview today's guest on the show. Had a great time. Very gracious host. And um, yeah, tell the people what, what was this podcast yeah, about. Yeah, I gotta say, we started off this uh, second rendition of the Two Fit Podcast with a bang. For sure. Um, <clears throat> we went down there and we interviewed Jeff who uh, founded Camp Gladiator with his wife, Allie. Uh, she was traveling at the time, but we had a, a great conversation with Jeff there. Just an amazing place. If any of you guys are in Austin, ever been to Camp Gladiator HQ, if you haven't, you need to go check it out. I mean, it's every, like, gym goer's dream. Yeah, it's Everything a, that they have there. Freaking awesome facility. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> we got a lot of time with him and just really learned more about their operations, their product, their mindset, what goes into making Camp Gladiator Camp Gladiator. And what's really led to their success um, here recently. Yeah, if you've ever passed a park or a boot camp in the last five years, they've been in business for almost 10 years now. There's a good chance it's a Camp Gladiator because they are dominating the boot camp space. In fact, it seemed like a lot of, according to Jeff, a lot of boot camps that had been around, those trainers and stuff joined Camp Gladiator um, just to utilize their platform. I mean, they've built an incredible business. And Allie Davidson, certainly much more on the fitness trainer side. Jeff, much more on the business side. So this podcast a lot about entrepreneurship, advice, business advice, business wisdom, um, how they're kind of building this giant boot camp brand. Yeah, he's almost got a monopoly on the boot camp in America today. Yeah, for sure. I think it's one of the fastest growing fitness movements in the country, or yeah, the fastest growing fitness movement in the country. No doubt. So who wouldn't want to learn more about that, how they've done that, um, what sets them apart from all the other boot camps out there? Because there's been a lot of people that have started boot camps and have not had near the success that they have. So obviously they're doing something right. Yeah, for sure. And you, little teaser for the episode, you would never imagine, if you would, kudos to you, the, the, uh, the company outside of the fitness space in which they structured Camp Gladiator around, the model they followed. That's true. Really That's interesting a good little to find tidbit. Out. Yeah, I like that. Nice little teaser there. Yeah, thanks, bud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just say you wouldn't equate the two. You know, not at all. It is not in the fitness realm. But great podcast. We had an awesome time, and uh, we yeah, know you're going to enjoy them. We're definitely going to have to have Allie back on at some point. Yeah, Allie, talk on uh, the boot camp side itself, the training, the trainers, and philosophy. Yeah. So we'll tease that now. There you go. All right. Enjoy. All right. Before we get to this awesome episode with Jeff Davidson with Camp Gladiator, we want to let you know about a product we came across, or maybe they came across us. I don't really know how it worked out at the beginning, but regardless, we're pretty excited about it. Yeah. It's a product called Qualia from Neurohacker Collective. You can check them out, neurohacker.com. Um, we have had amazing results with this thing. I mean, I was always a little skeptical, I'll admit that there's this nootropic because they always have such bold claims these nootropic companies out there right but when we first read the label on this we're like oh my god all this stuff is in this one product and then sure enough literally within the first try of using quality i noticed a difference in the first like hour yeah one try we we always tell when we get you know 
uh, talk with other companies and stuff and want to try other products, we give it a full test. I mean, we commit to at least a 30 day trial on ourselves before we then give it to friends, before we then try other people on it. But yeah, I mean, dude, we noticed immediately, like you almost, it's almost like just a cerebral kick, right? Like, Oh yeah. Just straight to the brain. Like words come to you easier. You know, my memory is shot. This thing has helped me recall better than I probably ever have. And in fact, the whole two fit team is on it now. They are. Yeah. And as you know, two fit a supplement company in that realm, it's, it's very rare for us to even recommend another product, not just because we're in a similar space, but just because the lack of truly innovative and quality products in the marketplace for sure. and Qualia Neurohacker Correct Collective does it right. I mean, their ingredient list is incredible. The purity is incredible. And well, the funny thing is they I mean, even had some ingredients that we had in our pre. Yeah, they do. So yeah, it just went hand in hand. But yeah, so if you've experienced the brain fog, the burnout, mental exhaustion, I mean, you name it, that that is rampant. Like in today's world, everyone's looking for a little mental kick and something that is actually healthy for the brain. And that's what I like so much about this product. It's like brain nutrients that make your brain healthier and function more efficiently. Exactly. You know? So go check them out. That's neurohacker.com. Use coupon code 2FIT, T-O-O-F-I-T, and save 10% on all your products. And this episode is brought to you by none other than 2FIT, Naturally Awesome. Naturally Awesome. That's right. So if you guys don't know yet, you must have been living under a rock because we have a new website, a bunch of new videos out. We got some new products or renditions of our older products. Yeah, new renditions. flavors. Um, just basically the upgraded version, 2Fit 2.0, if you will. That's right. Yeah, new website is the bomb. Um, have had a lot of great feedback on it. If you haven't checked it out, you should because there's some awesome new swag. We have some new, what, hats, shirts, some killer shirts. Um, and, of course. Yeah, the shirts are going like hotcakes. The products. Of course, the products, yeah. So just talk a little bit more about the products. I mean, I am in love with our new pre-workout. It's a stimulant-free pre-workout which every time you lead off with that with somebody, it, it literally sounds like an oxymoron. A stimulant-free pre-workout, they're like, well, what's left? Right, that's always what follows. <laughs> what's going to get me jacked, right? Like, what's going to provide me that energy? Exactly. Um, and on the heels of talking about qualia, everyone's looking for a little energy boost, right? And we approach it from a standpoint of, it's really, we like to say pre-whatever moves you. You know, a lot of people that take our products, CrossFitters, triathletes, runners, the last thing you want is your heart rate. You jacked up going into training or performance or whatever. You want to be able to control that. But you want to be able to enhance things like blood flow, oxygen capacity, buffer lactic acid buildup during training so you can push a little harder, a little longer. Um, we do have an awesome ingredient called cognizant acetylcholine, mm-hmm. which is going to be provide some brain nutrients, enhance neurotransmitter production. So you're going to get an awesome kind of cerebral kick that you want without getting that anxious, jacked up, like slightly yeah. palpitating, sweating feeling. It's that a nice that mental, so mental clarity and focus, you yes. know, along with everything else in there that's preparing your body to undergo go some stress. Right. You know, so. And that that, that is when... You know, we're talking about the rendition. That is kind of the new version of Moxie, if you will, if you're familiar with our old product. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about a little bit about the backside of that, the backside of our workout. We have an all-natural recovery formula. Right. So what are some highlights of our post? Yeah, the post... Besides the flavor. Besides the flavor, um, the post is much more than protein. It's much more than carbohydrates. It truly is 
no hype here, the most complete product because it delivers everything. It has protein that's from organic sources, has non-GMO plant-based carbohydrates that are low glycemic, even suitable for people on a fat, fat-based fat diet or ketogenic diet because yeah, the insulin not response kick you out is so keto. low. That's right. It's not going to give you that gastro- gastrointestinal distress a lot of people have or like bloating from carb formulas. And it has a lot of other perks in it. You're going to get some strength boosters, some chelated bioavailable creatine, uh, magnesium, electrolytes. It's going to have some awesome antioxidants like curcumin, bioavailable curcumin and tart cherry extract. It's going to help buffer and delay some of that DOMS, you know, that delayed onset muscle soreness. So who doesn't want to reduce soreness and get back faster, right? Like when you're training, whether you're working out twice a week or five times a week, you don't want to wake up the next day and just feel like crap. You know, I mean, exactly. so this is a clean, non-GMO ingredients, organic protein sources. It really doesn't get much better. And that's the biggest feedback we have is when people go without the product, that's when they really notice it. You know, they're saying, man, I'm much more sore. I can't get back in the gym as quickly as I'd like to. I'm feeling my workouts much more. I'm not hitting PRs. And so if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. Like I said, it tastes amazing as well. Some vanilla cinnamon, um, 2fit.com. Like like Josh said, go check out the new gear. Check out all the other podcasters. I have some amazing guests over the last couple years. Um, And also some articles out there for you, just all things fitness and nutrition related. That's right. 2fit.com. Well, thanks for having us, man. This is an awesome place. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. glad how, to be here. How uh, how long have y'all been here? So we officed from our home the first uh, four years as a business. Yeah. And then in 2012, we made the big jump to the arena. Um, this is a 30,000 square foot facility here in Austin. And uh, we've had like three or four expansions. So we've kind of built onto it as we've grown. And so we've been here for the last four yeah. years. Well, so wow. you've built onto this building? We have, Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. It's it, an awesome facility. I mean, you've got like, I saw the spin class. You've got... Like OCR, kind of, or like you know, obstacle course kind of yeah. competition TRX, in there. Yeah. yeah, TRX stuff. Yeah, we actually have a full obstacle course out back. Oh, you do. And so there's a oh, football awesome. field beside us that we also have here, and we've got a, a really unique uh, obstacle course that we built. But yeah, this is really serves as our, our corporate headquarters, and this is kind of a fitness lab. Um, but 99% of our business is outdoor fitness camps across the country, and. Uh, this is the only bricks and mortar facility we have. People can join the gym though, right? Or they can. Yeah. yeah, we have some people that just join arena, and uh, some people that do both. Um, and then the bulk of our our business is the out, outdoor fitness model. Seems like part of your business model is just hiring beautiful women. I <laughs> walked up. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh. We have uh, awesome people all the way around. Guys, yeah. gals, uh, young. Our average worker here is about 27, 28 years old. So we're pretty, um, yeah. pretty young. We got seventy full time employees now. That's awesome. So how long have you guys been in business? We launched in two thousand and eight. At the very end of two thousand eight, mm-hmm. uh, after Ali was on and won the TV show American Gladiators, <laughs> and uh, and then about. 30 days after that finale aired, the first ever Camp Gladiator session was held in Dallas, Texas, in the parking lot of Watermark Church, and uh, 40 people showed up. Wow. Now, what? first of all, what made you guys want to go on <laughs> American Gladiator? American Gladiator. Because I remember meet Hulk Hogan. <laughs> there was somebody, we were having a conversation at the office the other day about the old school yeah. American Gladiator, right? With like Nitro oh, yeah. and the, uh, the tennis ball guys. gun and all that stuff, right? Yeah. yeah, and they brought it back. So, you know. I didn't want to. Uh, my, I always tell people if you want your, your life to be pretty adventure filled and unpredictable, you know, there's a, an easy way to do that. Just marry a crazy person. <laughs> and I married an amazing, wonderful, beautiful, crazy person. 
And Allie, if you'd asked her growing up, like, what are your life goals? She would have said two, uh, the things that she really wanted to accomplish. One, play as many sports as possible. And two, find her way onto a reality TV show. <laughs> like nothing else. That's awesome. No wow. family goals, no income goals, just those two things. And so she, you know, was a sports star, uh, high school. She was all state and like softball, basketball, volleyball. Um, she's got cross country records in Austin. She, uh, uh, was asked to be on the Olympic development team for soccer. So you're just like wow. kind of the freak uh, athlete and went to play college basketball. We get engaged after that. And then on the day of our wedding in Austin, Texas, it just so happened that they were having American Gladiator tryouts about a mile from where the wedding was going to be. And so she found out about that like at midnight the night before the wedding. Her bridesmaids saw it in the paper and they decided to do this like runaway bride story. They didn't tell anybody and couple hours before the wedding they went over there and there's 2,000 people in line and so they put her wedding veil on or garter on and yeah uh, producers love a gimmick and they love a, a yeah. cool story and so this was a cool story and they let her let her cut and so she got to do the tryout did a great job as I said she's a, a phenomenal athlete and I find out about this a few hours later <laughs> at the reception the, oh at the reception okay. yeah she tells me and I'm about, we're about to walk in she's like, you're not gonna believe what we did this morning what what did you do did you did you journal? Did you get me a gift? Did you, are you all praying for our union? No, I tried it for American Gladiators. I was oh my you know, gosh. kind of head spinning, a little bit dizzy, like, what? Um, and then they announced our name, and we went in there. And, and then on our honeymoon, I kind of made fun of her the whole time. It was like, well, you better, you know, better go lift some weights. You might be on American Gladiators. Like you, remembering back to the old, sh- old show and not even really cognizant that they, had, <clears throat> they were reviving it mm-hmm. um, with this new era. But we came back. They called and said, Allie, wants you to come out to L.A. And so she was on a plane a couple days later, and uh, the rest there is history. Wow. So how did, because you ended up being on the show as well. Y'all competed as a couple, yeah, right? Yeah. So what was that conversation that like? <laughs> so I, I have no, you know, Allie's got that superstar sports background. You know, I played high school baseball and took an academic scholarship to UT. And, you know, I've always been good at things like wakeboarding and rock climbing, but certainly not a Division One athlete um, type of person but uh, so she's out there they have a week of screenings before the filming starts where you meet with story producers and they uh, they want to get the background and, and she just keeps telling them like my husband's amazing you've got to get him out here and so I get a phone call and it's the LA area code I'm a, I'm a financial advisor at the time and meeting with a client and so I'm, I'm sorry I have to take this call and it's David Hurwitz, executive producer, and he's like, Jeff, I'm here with Allie, and she is just telling us that we are crazy if we don't have you on this show. And we agree with her. Um, we're going to bump somebody else. We want to fly you out wow. uh, and come out here. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've got a real job. My like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. This is crazy. Yeah, because what's the time commitment like on that? It's I asked a few the same weeks, question. Right? I said, what, what's, how long are we going to be there? And he said, well, if y'all lose the first episode – between the rest of this kind of preview process and the first episode, you'll be here about 10 days. But if you win that, you could be on three more episodes and we'll keep you here the whole time. You'll be here six weeks. Wow. So it's a fairly long time. And so I said, look, I've got to call my boss and I'm thinking he's going to bail me out. He's going to say, you know, you're fired. You can't go. Um, And, and David says, I can give you one hour. I mean, we literally are about to start filming. We need to fly you out here in the morning. Um, so I call my boss and I tell him what's going on and he says, you've got to do it. <laughs> we'll cover for you. We've got your back. Don't even worry about it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. 
Um, so I did what any self-respecting man would do in those situations. You know, you're going to fly out. I'm 165 pounds at this time. Uh, I'm going to fly out and in, 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 in a week be battling 300-pound gladiators. Uh, I went that night to 24-Hour Fitness. <laughs> nice. And I got a big protein shake, and I did almost straight sets of curls. Because I was like, if I could squeeze anything out of my yeah. biceps here on, on national television, I'm going to try to do that in my last few minutes. And so... The next day I was in LA, uh, we were we wound up being there the whole six weeks. Allie went wire to wire, won the show, and uh, I, I made it through the semifinals. You know, I was pleased. I accomplished two goals: one, survival, you know, kind of the obvious one, and second, I didn't want to totally embarrass myself because sometimes they'll they'll sort of like pick up on something and make fun yeah. of you for that. I'm like, I'm not, I'm just not gonna say. Don't a be lot. that guy. Yeah, yeah don't yeah. be that guy. <laughs> so that was uh, that was our honeymoon. Wow, incredible. So what? So shortly thereafter, you come back, and that's when Allie decides, hey, we're going to start this boot camp, right? I mean, what was kind the, of the root of that whole idea yeah. in the first place? Yeah, so we come back from the show, and you actually have filmed, but it hasn't aired. And you're not supposed to talk about it. You're just supposed to go back to your regular life, and they actually withhold the prize money until the finale airs. And so we got 90 days before we can even really talk about what's happened. It's a long time. And so I go back to the finance world, and I'm loving it and, you know, uh, relieved. And she was in ad sales. She'd only been out of school about six months, and she was a superstar ad salesperson. But that was not as fun as battling gladiators. And Allie didn't just win. I mean, she dominated. Like, the, the show, if you recall, it ends with an obstacle course. And um, if, uh, if you had taken her time, not only was she the fastest female of the 20 males in the competition – uh, I was the second fastest, but she would have been the fourth fastest, uh, faster than 16 of the guys, most of which did play either a professional or a, or a Division One sport, um, a couple of UFC fighters, like, you know, mm, really... Beast. She's a stud. Uh, yeah. She's just really, just really athletic, you yeah. know? And a lot of the people on there are really uh, fit, and I've come to see those as two pretty different things. So, sidebar. But uh, we come back, and she was not finding ad sales near as fun, and we started having conversations at night, like there's got to be something more we can do with this opportunity, and we started from, talking from about it. The show. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. I'm, I know that she's going to be the champion. We're going to get five seconds of semi, you know, notoriety, and uh, so we started like talking about it, praying about it, thinking about it. Um, you know, maybe she could do sports modeling, or maybe she could just keep trying out for TV shows. Uh, you know, we thought about starting like a kids program, but she had noticed this hole. I don't know how else to describe it in the fitness industry, because when you've spent your whole life on teams, you know, playing all these different sports, you get used to having a group. You get used to having a coach. You get used to having competition. Mm -hmm. You get used to having fun. And nothing she could find in the current fitness landscape described that um, in the way that that she wanted to experience it. No class that she could find. No gym. It was simply go get a good workout. Um, and so she started coming up with this thought of like. You know, what if there's a fitness program that felt a lot like, you know, my old basketball team? Mm -hmm. And uh, and boot camps were getting popular. Most of them were more of the military style. And so someone's out there kind of barking at you in, in you know, camo pants. And mm -hmm. uh, that was there was a guy in Dallas um, that, that's on CMT that uh, had a show that was kind of like the boot camp, Dallas boot camp um, thing. And so she attended that once or twice and thought, wow, this is really cool. I couldn't pull off his persona but I could pull off my own version of this. And so we came up with the idea, well, let's not call it a boot camp, let's call it Camp Gladiator. And uh, my background, 
prior to finance, I had uh, briefly been involved in a technology venture, and so I knew how to do a little bit in that space, build a website, create a newsletter, get some credit card processing, just kind of the core basics. And so I supported her in that, built the website, um, came up with the idea, and then 30 days after the finale was CG1 in Dallas, Texas. And like I said, 40 people that uh, were crazy enough to go out yeah. there and be the first ever campers. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's kind of doing that fitness revolution of even like what CrossFit came out of. They were yeah. they were hitting on that same hole of people are missing community. You know, they're just going into gyms anymore with their headphones in and not talking to each other, and you're really missing that locker room atmosphere. But you guys seem to bring in the community even more just by like your locations. Yeah. Um, so I'd be curious to know because I go to Watermark up there in Dallas right now myself. Yeah. How, how did they help out in that process at all? Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the core of the, the business model of CG is the idea that uh, a trainer can build their own business uh, in fitness and they can use our technology platform to do that and they can use uh, really this unlimited number of amazing locations that already exist. And so our primary locations are schools, parks, and churches. Yeah. And you think about the millions of dollars that went into creating that green space of that park or uh, that football field at that high school. And then you think about the fact that it sits there vacant 99% of the time when it's not occupied by a team or you know a program. And so it's kind of uh, crazy now when you think about it that like people would sit in an office building all day and they would go jump in their car and drive 30 minutes sitting in traffic to go work out in another building. Yeah. Like, you know, we're, we're creatures that were designed to be outside and you know, for thousands of years, the, the predominant human experience has been an outdoor experience. And so the thought that we should work inside and then go work out inside and then go sleep inside and maybe like catch two minutes of sunlight as we walk to and from yeah. our car, it's kind of crazy. Uh, maybe depressing. people are, are starting to rethink that a little bit, but it had become such the norm, you know, in the 80s and 90s that like some people kind of had to break us out of that. And I think CrossFit in their own way did it with like, hey, why don't you open up a garage door? Yeah. And now, like, breathe some fresh air. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to have, like, a latte and, uh, you know, a cold towel and air conditioning while you sweat. <laughs> um, and then CG, like, just took it a couple levels farther and said, here's a crazy idea. Go work out in the park. And so, uh, so those locations, of which we have 3,000 now um, of, of locations, and, and we have wound up being pretty big partners with um, the parks programs and all the cities we operate in. And the churches are phenomenal because yeah. they see the community, they value the community, they like the idea that someone might be using their vacant field or their parking lot to have something positive in their life. Sometimes other organizations fear it, like, oh, you know, what if someone hurts their ankle, am I gonna get sued? And, and sadly, that's kind of the society that we're in, but sure. by and large, we connect the people of the community to a place they're already familiar with, and we bring that coach, that trainer out they can organize it and make it the best 60 minutes of someone's day. Sweet. And you guys seem to have a really good pipeline or funnel for recruiting or bringing on the right trainers. And kind of what's that process look like to, for the train from the trainer aspect? Yeah. So there was a really critical moment in our business uh, about a year in. Uh, we had started in Dallas and it was successful. Um, you know, it's a blessing that we had success right off the bat and people just liked the concept. You know, Ali was an amazing trainer. We had a few amazing locations and they were getting the best work out of their life. They were telling their friends the, uh, the ideas of like camper socials and community events like those our campers organized those. That wasn't part of the grand plan. They just yeah. wanted to hang out, That's awesome. you know, outside of, uh, outside of working out. And so all that was going great. 
you know, Allie had almost 200 people signed up for about her, it was about six months in. She's making great money. And then my boss walks in back to the financial world and says, Jeff, there's a, a really big opportunity. We want you to move down to Austin, Texas and take over Central Texas um, for our firm, financial firm. And so on the one hand, it's this cool opportunity for me. Wow, I can go and, and, and you know, go to the next level. But like, oh my gosh, we just spent all this time building up this fitness business in Dallas. And we're not going to be there. And what are we going to do about that? You know, and so the options seem to be, we'll shut it down and start over, you know, send everybody their money back. Um, we could, uh, you know, try to franchise it or in the CrossFit model, you know, affiliate program where we say, okay, you know, we'll approve, approved, you know, pay us some money and then you can do CG here. And that didn't really appeal to us because from the beginning, the CG story was our story. And it, the business felt like an extension of us, and we weren't willing to risk the quality. And so we had to come up with a different process for recruiting trainers than what anybody else in the industry had. Uh, and we looked to Chick-fil-A, actually, as an example of a company that has a different process. Like if you wanted to start a McDonald's franchise, you need like a million bucks and an application and a location, and you can pretty much make that happen. Mm -hmm. The typical Chick-fil-A operator um, works for a long time in the chain before they get that opportunity and it costs less than $10,000 to start a Chick-fil-A franchise but you split the profit. So it's a totally different idea that someone should have to sort of earn their way to becoming um, an operator in our business and that's what we on the back end call our trainers their, their owner operators and we split the profit they generate from their location but they have to earn that spot and they do it by going through an affiliate ship uh, as an affiliate trainer um, for several months, uh, they have to lead workouts on the field. Uh, they have to go and, and do marketing events and, and learn how to sell and market our product. And that takes a couple of months to go through that process. If they do well, they get invited to what we call a CG Academy, uh, which is a, a conference here in Austin uh, where they learn all about the business side, the back end tools. And then they have to do what we call an independent audition uh, in front of an independent panel that Allie is in charge of and they have to meet a certain grade to be able to get the title partner trainer. And if they pass all that multi-month process, then they can unlock the ability to open new locations. And, uh, and so it's hard to get in. Our standards are very high. They have to be certified. In addition to that, they have to complete the affiliate ship. They have to have a great audition in front of an independent panel. Uh, and then, you know, they're on the team. They're able to go out there and, and start building their, uh, their practice. And so, We've grown from Alley and that stack of cones in Dallas to now we have 800 partner trainers wow. um, operating 3,000 locations. So you can do the math and see the average mm -hmm. trainer is between three and four locations that they run for us. Yeah, do y'all um, you know find the find the locations? Do they find them? Is it kind of on them once they're once yeah. they're a partner? Yeah, it's uh, probably 80% them, and then 20% their area director. And so our leadership model is a really critical component uh, of our. 11 regions that we operate in, so like DFW is a region, Central Texas is a region. Uh, within that, we have areas, smaller areas. So like in Austin, you know, you'd have like Southwest Austin would be an area. And we have a, a player coach model. So you take a trainer that's been successful, they've been with us a couple of years, and they want a little bit bigger, you know, opportunity. And so in addition to running their own locations, they get the opportunity to be in charge of an area. Uh, which means that they assist the onboarding trainers that are coming on board uh, with finding locations, getting location approvals. They assist with quality control, going out and making sure that the, the camps are brand quality. 
they help be a liaison to headquarters if that new trainer needs a marketing request or uh, you know needs some help on their technology system the area director is there to help them so uh, most of the work is done by the partner trainer but the area director is a really critical piece to making sure that um, it's consistent and that they have a, the partners are, are set up for success yeah man that's quite the vetting process yeah. um, which has been a big complaint just in the physical uh, fitness realm for a long time that anybody can go out yeah. a weekend get a certification open up a gym where you take a few months after reading a book you get certified and then you can train somebody else through movements that could break your back or your neck or whatever yeah. you know um, so I just want to applaud you guys on that part of it because I actually called CG when we first moved out to Fort Worth um, but I was needing money like that day you know yeah. and I, yeah. I had the CSCS but I didn't have the CPT right. and I was just like man I just can't do that right now yeah. but I was really impressed just on talking on the phone with your trainers they're like wow this they're actually vetting people out Yeah. so that's awesome but was that in place like from the get go when you opened that second location or was that an evolution even coming to that yeah, so I think kind of a, a big business question for every entrepreneur is to think of your business like a house. And when you build a house or when you buy a house, there's really two choices. You're either buying one that you plan on living in forever or you're buying one that you plan on selling sometime in the future. And a mentor of Allie and I's asked that question relative to CG when we made the move from Austin to Dallas. They said, is CG a house that you're going to sell one day or is it a house you want to live in? And we said, this is what we want to do. Like, this is our mission. This is our life. This is us. It's our story. And so because of that, um, the psychology of how you build that house, how you think of that house is really totally different if you're going to live in it forever versus mm -hmm. if you're going to just build it up and sell it. And so from day one, quality was incredibly important to us because we felt like if someone went to one of our camps, they were going to connect it back to me and Allie. And if that was not up to standard, um, we just couldn't live with ourselves. Yeah. And so the early days wasn't as organized, but the first 15 trainers actually lived at our house with us. Oh, wow. And for about a month, just followed Allie around. And so she would just spend all day with them. They would like stay in our extra bedroom. They would go out to camp uh, and then she would launch them personally. And so most of those early trainers are still with us today because they got to learn directly from the source. Uh, you know, then we had certainly some false starts in, in trying to grow too fast and, and like loosening it up. And, and over the last nine years, we've settled on a process that we feel really, really great about um, now. And, and, you know, Allie, they're not living in our house anymore. We have ambitious goals next year. We, uh, we, we're shooting for a thousand trainers to add into the ecosystem next year. Wow! Um, but they're not going to live with us. Uh, they're <laughs> they're going to come down to academies, and you know we'll get interaction with them. And we have a hundred yeah. area directors now that'll be um, launching those trainers. Wow. What well, What was the most difficult thing that you can think back to in the first three years? And Man, I, and I asked three years because yeah. you're, obviously year one is we're we're I mean we can relate. You know you're treading yeah. water, and you're just going with the flow, trying to make decisions as quickly as you can. Yeah. But, you know, year two, year three, you've, you've, you've been there, you know? Like what? Yeah. It's the most difficult thing you experienced. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And the uh, building a, a successful business has been the hardest thing we've ever done. It's, it is very, very, very difficult. You know, Allie and I worked, uh, I worked two jobs. So I, I spent until two years ago, was really helping behind the scenes with Allie, but continuing to build the financial services practice and just retired from that a couple of years ago. And um, Allie, 
her alarm clock went off at 3.30 a.m. and she led five mornings a week, five evenings a week, plus ran the business um, for seven years and, uh, and never took a paycheck. And so neither one of us ever took a paycheck from Camp Gladiator for seven years and probably averaged a 100-hour work week uh, during that time. And so, you know, there are more challenges than you can imagine in, in trying to scale a business and, and you can kind of run the gamut of, you know, people that you're counting on leaving you in the dust. Uh, you, can, you can be sure that you're going to have some legal battles, you know, whether it's intellectual property or, um, you know, we've had those. Uh, it's, it's, you know, time and, and pulling away from your family. But I think that the hardest part of all is just staying the course and knowing that every day there's a choice to just make it easier and, and give up your dream or your mission. And, you know, there's a certain resolve that you, you wind up developing inside yourself by not quitting. And in those first three years, it just isn't yet decided if you have it or not, you know, and you're developing it. And so I think just, just staying the course, keeping the faith, um, taking the blows and then getting up every single time to start the new day and to keep fighting uh, without a clear vision of the future. That was kind of the story of those first three years. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, just, I was going to say, it reminds me of some studies that I've been reading up on about how the, the biggest indicator they're finding of success is just grit. Yeah. You know, it's just persistence. It's just continuing to show up and do those small things every day, not intelligence or you know what you're born into or anything like that. But it reminds me of like, you know, James Fitzgerald, uh, OP, you know, from OPEX um, out in Arizona. He's, he always calls it like resiliency. You know, yeah. We had him on the show and he's, you know, it's like a lot of, a lot of these guys, it's just resiliency, like whether mm -hmm. that's business or, or fitness. Yep. I couldn't agree more. The, uh, the two rarest traits that I've experienced uh, in business are definitely grit. So yeah. the ability to just stick with something and, you know like the long-term outweighs the, the short-term pain. And that is easy in theory. And it's easy also, I think, for like a couple of years. But stick it out for a decade, you know, that's, that's harder. And then the second most rare quality that I've found is vision. Like that's how you can really have the grit is that long-term picture starts to become clearer and clearer. And, and you can spend enough time in your mind dreaming about this better future that it makes the pain of today worth mm -hmm. it. And the people that usually give up, they simultaneously lost the vision. And, uh, and I find that that's kind of an orientation of your mind and your attitude and even, even practically your calendar. Are you spending enough time really painting that picture so that you can wake up the next day and, and get through, you know, whatever you need to get through to get there. That's awesome. So what, I mean, what are some things people can do maybe that you do yourself? just to have a clearer vision of like what, you know, your, your businesses or what you, what you want your life to be. Cause I mean, what would you have said if you had at the beginning of CG had known that you're not getting a paycheck from this for seven years? You <laughs> I still know? actually don't take a paycheck. Oh wow. So, I'm still going nine so there years. you go. <laughs> so nine years. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning. I mean, that'd be a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. And you're telling me I'm going to work a hundred hours a week. Yeah. You know, the, uh, so I'm a alley, you know, her dream is, is, fitness and sports and impacting lives. You know, I'm, a, I'm like that, but I'm different in that I, I love the idea of building an organization. I think it's one of the greatest ways to impact the world is to build a great organization. And, and so I spend a lot of time dreaming about the future of what a great organization can be. And there's processes around that. And so I had mentors 
working in the financial services business. We help people develop personal financial plans. And so one of the things I did early at CG was I tried to like think different about our business planning process. I mean, there's a spectrum on this, right? Like on, on the one end, some people don't even do it. They're like, well, we'll see what we can do next year. We're going to do our best. Yeah. Like that's not a plan. That's, Elbow grease. That's an yeah. idea, hope, right? Yeah. And then there's kind of this methodical consultant-based approach where you just place three and five-year goals and you kind of metrics oriented and you end up with kind of this binder. And so I, I just thought like it shouldn't be kind of fun and, and creative. And so we attended a class that Gary Keller of Keller Williams invited us to. Uh, called Empire Builders uh, a few years back and he he told the story of Disney and he told the story of, of kind of the vision and he passed out this kind of business plan that had the entire Disney Empire mapped out you know the, 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 the movie business the theme parks the magazines like all these different elements and he told the whole story of it and you're kind of thinking it's cool and then he points to the bottom right corner and it has the date of when it was created and it was like 1956 and it was decades before any of these things came into existence. And so the concept of this business plan living on this page, kind of this mind map of my future decades before it comes in, it inspired me. And so we created a planning process at CG called Disneyland. And it starts um, at about the end of the third quarter each year. And we do a bottom-up planning cycle where we ask everybody in the company to go and like go off-site, spend several days off-site dreaming about in the both short and long-term what would make the role you have, our company, everything about what you're doing better. Um, and you know, we've tied that process up to try to make it more actionable and come up with items. But um, from September, October, November, our teams and everybody's doing offsites. We're dreaming about the future. We're setting our mid, short, and long-term goals. Uh, and that culminates in uh, December of each year where we have this kind of Disneyland planning meeting um, where all the teams get to come and present. It's a cool cultural event. And, uh, and then we have this massive event where all the trainers come in town called CG Next. So we'll have a, almost a thousand people at our event this year. And that's like the reveal of all of our greatest dreams of how we're going to improve every element of our business next year. And so thinking about the future, right, you have to orient your time and your calendar and you have to build processes to where that's a regular thing. Mm -hmm. And you find yourself like just super excited, like, man, you didn't see nothing yet. Like, wait till next year and then wait till next year, and then wow, you know, even further out, um, there's cool ideas. So yeah. try to orient time around planning for the future. What was entrepreneurship instilled in you at an early age? Did you, because you were talking about vision earlier, and it's clear that neither you nor Ali, you know, just decided, hey, we're gonna start a boot camp. Yeah, we're gonna call it Camp Gladiator, but we're just starting a boot camp. Like, there was clearly a greater vision for we're going to not just start a boot camp, but build a community that was huge, right? Like a lot of people seems like they would, I'm gonna start a boot camp at my church, you yeah. know? And you guys had a much greater vision for that. So was there this sense of business or entrepreneurship, kind of that trailblazing path that you, you can kind of pinpoint early on in life? Yeah, I would say I probably have the DNA, you know, in, in eighth grade, I started a business of reselling um, pins to my classmates and you know, like 50 cents got you a kind of cool pin, $2 is a really cool pin. And I had those kind of experience and, you know, lawn service. Uh, in college, I had a you know, finance and an engineering degree at UT um, in a program. And I was a little lost in college from a perspective of like, what's my business gonna be? You know, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't have an idea. And then 
my uh, senior year, we got this idea, this is 1999, um, to, you know, like the web was becoming a real thing. And so we we're like, well, uh, let's create a business where we can, you know, help people put their dreams into the web and, and a, kind of a design engineering firm. But we were, th we were late. Um, so I, I launched that first business and we crashed and burned and, and it failed and it was embarrassing uh, because you know, I wound up broke and couldn't make my car payment and you know, had a lease on a building and I, I didn't have mentorship, I didn't have experience, but I had a lot of ambition and I was very humbled by that. And so I found myself in like my early 20s thinking, I guess I'm not gonna get to be a business owner. Thought about going to law school, I'm glad I didn't or there'd be one more probably unhappy <laughs> lawyer here on planet Earth and, uh, and I think you know, God may have intervened a little bit. I got actually cold called by a financial services company and they asked me to come in and interview. My resume was out there and then I wound up interviewing at like Merrill Lynch and all these kind of traditional places and I went to work at, at AXA Financial, which is a pretty entrepreneurial financial services business. And what it provided me was like build a business but kind of with guardrails. Like there's, here's the blueprint, you know, just go execute mm -hmm. uh, this business that's worked for so many other people and that was a great training grounds to actually learn, you know, um, how to how to sell and how to market and how to execute and to do financial planning. And so I kind of spent the next seven or eight years building those basic skills and building my my network and learning how to be a business person, and then obtaining clients that were business people and learning from them. And I sought out mentorship. And then Allie has a very entrepreneurial nature in her as well. And a lot of times entrepreneurs come from sales. And so her first job out of school was in sales. And, uh, and then she jumped right into CG, and, and I'd say it's kind of in her blood as well. Um, but she's more the product evangelist than the one that's dreaming about you know, the business model. But that's what makes us such a great team is we complement each other uh, really well. And she can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any business person I've ever met. It's, it's, she's a remarkable uh, young lady. Yeah, it's awesome. So what do you think was the reason for that first business failing? Do you think that was just lack of planning? If you had to nail it down? Yeah, uh, it was It was totally my fault. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have partners? I had, a, I had a partner and the idea, he was the kind of the creative um, executor and I was the business model person and, you know, and, and responsible for driving the, the sales of the organization and I was just not experienced enough um, to, build the financial controls to survive what happened in 99, 2000 in those years. Mm. And so we didn't, we actually had plenty of revenue, uh, but we didn't have enough expense control. And so when we had a dry, you know, a business should be able to absorb a bad year and we couldn't absorb a bad six months. And then when you run out of money and there's no pool of outside capital to access at that time and you can't make payroll, you're out of business. And so that, that really impacted my thinking. Like I mentioned earlier, that CG operated from our home for the first four years. We were, we, I learned so much from that experience on how to do um, conservative financial management and reinvest back into your business and to build those safeguards and buffers so that when a recession hits, you know, you're able to, to survive that. Did any of the, I'm just curious, did any of the kind of you know, Y2K stuff, did you have any backlash during that period or, or issues like with people kind of freaking out? about the 2000 turnover we we launched right after that so okay. our business was actually like was launching in 99 into 2000 and we were in business in 2000 and 2001 and then we came crashing down in 2001 like right after september 11th mm -hmm. um it's like 
the whole world just stopped for 90 days and we couldn't get anything in the, in the door. So not Y2K, but 9-11 yeah. impacted our business greatly. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. What, what was the hardest thing working from home? And then what was the greatest experience going from home to the office? Yeah. Because, I, I mean, we we worked out at home, our apartments, yeah. in my kitchen. Called, you know, called chasing Wi-Fi all day. Chasing Wi-Fi. Know? Starbucks is down. You know, yeah. every coffee shop. Yeah. Uh, they All the baristas know you by name. I mean, yeah. Yeah. What was, for you, what was kind of the, the hardest part or most stressful part about yeah. working from home? So, we, uh, you know, we started hiring employees. Our first employee would drive from her house to our house. And, uh, and work out of a guest bedroom and, and the title was region coordinator and they were kind of just a catch-all marketing person that was just supporting the, the business. And then we went from one to two and then from two to three. and In your house. In our oh, house. Yeah. Uh, by great year, tax write-off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's and, and cheap rent. Uh, so by year three, we were up to 12 employees out of the house. Wow. And we actually, we got into merchandising our own gear you know, people are going to these outdoor camps. They're bringing yoga mats. The wind would blow and blow away. So I started, you know, manufacturing our own outdoor fitness mats. And uh, it was hard, like, figuring out how to do that. We didn't know how to do that, but we figured it out. And so we have 4,000 of these things delivered. And I'm talking to this, you know, major manufacturer, and they're like, tell me where your dock is um, to deliver these. I'm like, I don't have a dock. Um, so I'm like, 3119 Castellano. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, wait. Is that it? He was like, yeah, it's our house. I'm like, this this is a container. I'm like, I got a big garage and I got two extra bedrooms. Um, and so the 18 wheeler shows up and all of our 12 employees are unloading mats and they're in every corner of our house and the entire garage. And of course the post office lady hates us because every day we're selling like, you know, 70 pounds of mats and it's just a little <laughs> residential post office truck filled up with mats and she had to make like four trips to our neighborhood. And then the Austin team started growing and so on days where the Austin team, because Allie's a trainer and she was the area director, We'd have 20 trainers at our house. We'd have 12 employees. We'd have the post office lady. And so then a homeowner's association tried to sue us um, but for deed restrictions. Oh, no. Yeah. We actually were not technically in violation, technically, but <laughs> from the kind of like, okay, this is not cool. We're definitely in violation. Uh, but we were waiting. You know, We were being fiscally responsible and, and trying to figure out what our next uh, move was. But the hardest thing was the personal, professional life balance. And, you know, on a, on a Friday night, watching, um, like trying to have a kind of time with your wife, but you've still got your accounting team trying to make payroll <laughs> until midnight yeah, while you're house. trying to like rent a, have a movie night, rent a movie. Um, so it, it started to encroach too much on our, our personal boundaries and also just outgrow our house. And so uh, it was a good run. And then, then we moved into this facility. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we can relate. The first pallet, yeah. it's the same exact story. First, Jake should probably tell it. We were at his house. Yeah, yeah. we shut down the street, that's for sure. <laughs> Y'all just by yeah. hand. Just the products, yeah, just bringing in product by pallet. Lift, so you're just, yeah. Yeah. Seeing the driver's face when he pulled up, he's like, this can't be the right place. Like, yeah. yeah no, bring garage. it in. <laughs> bring it in. Yeah. yeah. But it was fun. I mean, we look back on those times with, uh, you know, it was just, man, it was yeah. a good time. Classic. You know, yeah. yeah. So... I don't know, but um, well, what's what's the next step for for CG? I mean, yeah. I know you're into the, end of the the third quarter right now, so you're about to go through that kind of vision and planning time. Yeah. But for yourself, I mean, from the top down, what are some some vision that you have for for Camp Gladiator moving forward? Yeah, well, all of our all of our plans here are informed by our, our mission statement, which is to positively impact the physical fitness and ultimately the lives of as many people as possible, and that's what motivates 
every one of our partner trainers. That's what motivates our full-time employees here at headquarters. Uh, and even our, our 110,000 campers, I think, um, buy into our mission and they want to see CG succeed because they know the difference that it can make in people's lives. The um, average gym member goes to the gym twice a month. And you know if you do the, just work out twice a month, you're not even you're not even staying the same. You know you're like just you've you've kind of just slowly slowed down the regression, but it's it's not um, it's not really impacting you. And uh, a cool study came out a couple of years ago that said that if um, if you take someone who's sedentary and 35 years old, it's like they're not working out at all. And if you can get them to work out three times a week, 30 minutes or more. You're going to add seven years to their life. Wow. And so that's what motivates everybody in this company is trying to impact lives and to try to get people, uh, you know, outside and to get them moving and to get them connected to community. And the stories that come in, you know, we're fortunate to, to read those and get to hear from our customers and the life change. The people have lost 300 pounds and, and, you know, people that have met their spouse and people that have met their best friend and just the community and the and the the change is inspiring us and it inspires us to to live both parts of that mission statement. So the first part is positively impact lives and we're doing it. But the second part is as many as possible. And so what does that mean for us? Um, I mean we look around the world and say every school, every park, every church ought to have this. They ought to have a trainer that's in that community that cares about the people. They ought to be leveraging those great beautiful places. And those people ought to be coming together for the best hour of their day and doing it together and getting in the best shape of their lives with their friends. And so, uh, and so we're trying to execute on that and, um, and do it with quality. And so, so next year, uh, we're excited to launch uh, three new regions, which is, is really exciting for us. Um, Nashville, Tennessee is one of those we're very excited about. We're launching uh, Corpus Christi. And we're launching, we call it West Texas, but it's really from Abilene all the way up through Lubbock. Uh, we've had a, a lot of success just kind of encroaching on the west side of DFW and we just want to keep moving in that area. So that'll take us from 11 to uh, 14 regions that we're operating in and um, um, across all those it's trying to bring on board the next thousand trainers mm -hmm. that can carry that mission out and, uh, and that keeps us busy at headquarters like there's so much technology like we look like a fitness company but in headquarters, it looks like like probably what Air, uh, Airbnb or Uber is trying to do. Mm -hmm. So it's building the technology platforms yeah. that support these user groups. And so that's the trainer app. It's the camper app. It's our uh, proprietary CRM and billing system that kind of brings it all together. So, uh, so it's setting the vision for what growth looks like, and then it's building the infrastructure that can support that. Um, and you know we think there's at least probably 150 regions that need to be opened in the next 15 or 20 years. So we're we're trying to think like we can be in those 150 regions, even though we only have the manpower to open three next year. What, going back to kind of the, the actual camp itself, what is someone to expect when they show up, you know, that first yeah. day? Like, you know, their friend told them, whatever the case may be. What, what are the expectations? Yeah, well, Allie has a, a presentation she gives at our new trainer academy called the 10 Tenets of CG. And I won't get into all 10 here. <laughs> I'll, I'll hit the, the very high points, but it's something that we preach um, and at its highest level, it should be uh, a very challenging total body workout that is fun. So it's like it should be you should be smiling and laughing and having a great time. It's always positive and it's for all fitness levels. And so the, 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 the coach is able to 
create that environment. The, uh, the group size is anywhere from 20 to 100 people that are going to be out there doing that together. But it's a kick butt workout. It's fun. Um, there's that accountability that's coming from that, that community. And, uh, and it doesn't matter if you're a you know, former D1 athlete or if you're a, a 65-year-old you know, that hasn't worked out in 20 years. The magic of CG is you can have a workout that's actually great for everyone. And so it's not like, hey, you know, you, you're not done with this until you have 100 push-ups. It's more like, you know, who, how many, see how many push-ups you can get in in the next 90 seconds. And so you might get in 100 and someone else might get in 10. And so, uh, so all fitness levels is a huge part of our, our program that it really is for everyone. And, uh, and the program is themed, so CG's four weeks. And uh, it sort of builds in intensity. The first week we call um, endurance week. It's about sort of getting that heart rate up, uh, but not at maximum levels. Uh, we move into the second week, which is strength and agility. And so that's where you're going to be flipping tires and, you know, doing heavier dumbbells and some resistance work. And you're also going to be doing some agility work. Uh, the third week is interval week. And so we're just continuing to build on that intensity. And the fourth week's peak week, which sort of is code for the trainers that anything goes. <laughs> so the four weeks are themed. Um, workouts are a variety, so we're not like CrossFit and everybody in CG is doing the same workout that day. Yeah. Um, what our customers like is that the trainer gets to use their creativity and every day is different and every trainer is different, but it's within the theme of the week. And so that's what the CG experience is like out there on the field. Very cool. Yeah. So how, how are we doing on time? Just curious. Uh, we're 50, we're 45 minutes. Okay, right cool. Yeah. You were going to, did you have something? I was just going to say, I mean, it's, so you said uh, there was kind of the, the boot camp craze when you guys got into it. Yeah. What was really setting you guys apart at that time and what really sets you apart from them at this point in time too? Yeah, so yeah, let's say our first, uh, first region was DFW. And my guess is that when we launched, there was probably 100 people doing the same thing. <clears throat> and they were we, you know, mom and pops, like someone like me and Allie that said, hey, let's start my own boot camp and mm -hmm. a couple of them had kind of the model of assistant trainers so you know it's bigger than me I got more people than I can handle so I'm gonna hire some assistant trainers so what set us apart in the early days I think was Allie it was her yeah. skill set it was the positivity um, the environment and uh, and so that was why it grew around her personality but the um, kind of the very moment that we decided to make it bigger than Allie we started to think about the business in a different way and really from the perspective of the customer. So the first decision I think we made that was really good was, well, if we're going to have multiple trainers in multiple locations, the customer ought to be able to attend every location as many times as they want. And that is pretty hard for other fitness companies to get their arms around. Like imagine a CrossFit model where you can just drop in any CrossFit anytime and get a CrossFit workout. Yeah. That's great for the customer. But it doesn't make sense for the boxes because now I'm training other people that are I'm not making any money on and they're taking up one of my spots. Uh, but in the CG model, it, it just works because you have outdoor, you don't, you're not limited You know, if you have 20 or 30 people show up. So um, pretty early when we started adding locations, that value proposition was better for the customer. Um, for a lower price, I'm able to get more workouts and better trainers. Mm -hmm. And so we started to grow and then the trainers, those other hundred bootcamp instructors started to notice. And then we started to put millions of dollars into our technology, like millions of dollars. And so then we started developing all these tools that, that exist to support the business that we're really creating. And it's kind of ignored by everybody else um, from a like real capital investment standpoint. And so then those trainers are like, okay, 
they're getting all the customers, they have a better platform, and they're telling me I can come on board and be an entrepreneur. I'm not like an assistant trainer, I'm a partner. Um, and so then they just all started joining us. And so today, well, I mean, my guess, DFW back then, there's probably maybe 5,000 people doing boot camps yeah. divided by 100 people. And today, there's 60,000 people doing boot camps in DFW, and 58,000 of them are doing it with us. Wow. And of those 100 trainers, you know, 97 of them are now with us. So there's a couple others that are still around that yeah. maybe they have their own flair or their own, like, such a tight-knit community, and maybe they've driven pricing you know, to a place that that's sure. just what they want to do. And that's more power to them. The bigger the market can be, the better. But um, that's that's sort of how we've kind of grown in that region. And that's starting to happen in every other region as well. You touched a little bit on investing a lot in your technology. Um, you, it seems like you kind of pinpointed that pretty early on. And that's that's a place we need to go. We're not we're much more than a boot camp company. We need yeah. to pour money in here. And could you speak a little bit maybe to the person that wants to start a business, has an idea, maybe stuck in kind of a mom and pop type day-to-day -day operation, isn't sure how to scale, you know, taking on capital, raising money, that sort of thing. Could you, you touch a little bit on that and maybe some resources that other people could go to or some strategies, maybe what not to do? Yeah, well, uh, so technology is a, a huge part of any business today. Now, what's different now than nine or 10 years ago is now so many companies have created platforms where you don't have to go build it yourself. You can literally build your business on someone else's platform. And just think of things like you know, Instagram. You don't need to go create your own website to display your videos. You can use Facebook Live. You can use Instagram um, to do those things. So the, the world is quite a bit different. Um, yeah, it's, it's never been easier to start a business. It's never been easier to leverage the, the platforms um, that exist. Uh, and so that would be my first piece of advice is to look at, at every technology platform that's out there and, uh, and then see how you can, you know, for 20 bucks a month, <laughs> you know, spend some money and, and, and use this great platform, whether it's like, you know, constant contact is a simple email tool to build your own email database. And of course, we've graduated like levels above that to commercial applications of that. But um, if you want to do something big in this day and age, like we're not a technology company, we're a fitness company. But if you want to do something big in this day and age, you will become a technology company. Like it's tech enabled. Yeah. So we could not exist if we had not invested in that. And so that was sort of like two years in, three years in, we'd grown from, you know, five trainers to 50 trainers. And we're like, whoa, you know, the, the, the standard offerings that are out there, mind, body, online, you know, all the kind of, you know, they want to treat us like a, a, a gym, like it wasn't working. And we wanted to try and do something big. And so uh, we went and found a CTO. He started as a vendor. We hired someone to do it. And then I quickly realized that like we're going to need all of his time. So we acquired his company and uh, rolled him in as our, our chief technology officer. His name's Dwayne McLeish. And he's a superstar. If he wasn't here, he'd be, I mean, he could be the CTO of Facebook. He's, he's, so you brought it on his whole team? Or yeah, just yes. boss move yeah. in. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to buy you. You're mine now. We were just yeah. taking all their time. And yeah. he, was a, he was running a software development company. And then he's like, well, it'd be way cooler to build a product that I'm part of than just keep building products for other people. And so he's a business partner of mine and, and Allie's. And, um, and so your choices are, if, if you have to make a big investment in technology, you can try to self-fund. That's hard because it's so expensive. You can raise money, and, and that's what most people do is they go raise money from a third party. 
And uh, the downside to that is you have to give up some control. Um, ideally, you can get far enough with off-the-shelf technology that, that you can only give up a minority per percentage to, to go and do that. Right, go ahead and raise that, that evaluation on your own. That's right, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and try to get a little further before you do it. Um, or you can bring on a technical partner. Um, and that was the route we decided to go, was to bring somebody into the organization at a senior leader level um, that is a, uh, uh, you know, a business partner at that level. Um, and then, you know, ideally that person is both visionary and executor. And so you, you cut your development costs down a lot because they're doing it. And then, uh, and then of course, over time you outgrow them and they have to start building the team. And so we've got about 20 on our dev teams now. Um, and it's, it's a lot of, yeah. of, you know, it's a big investment on the, on the budget, but it's, it's our platform. So mm -hmm. we have to keep building it. Yeah. So he was able to help you build those, those front end apps of the, the, the camper app and the trainer app. But That's what right. I'm interested to hear more about is this proprietary CRM that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, like the idea that these 200 campers are my business, well, I need all the information about these 200 campers Yeah. and I need to know, you know, how to reach them from a, a simple contact information. But more importantly, I need to know, um, when was the last time they checked into camp? When's their birthday? I need to know, uh, we have a whole reward system that when people get certain check-in amounts, they hit milestones. So I need to know people that are about to hit that milestone. I want to know if someone hasn't checked into camp in seven days. I want to know if someone's credit card just got suspended. And so we've put a few years into building, um, all these, uh, you know, really important indicators and customer information tools that the trainer has access to uh, both on a, a desktop platform as well as their iPad platform. And, um, and it's just that we, it, uh, we call it Nation. It's our CG Nation back-end tool. Um, and so every day a CG trainer is logging into that. They're saying, oh, I got four new signups. Or, oh, oh no, someone canceled. Or, uh, oh, wow, it's Sally's birthday tomorrow. And, and so all that information about all their customers is right there for mm -hmm. them. And, and then they get to go do what they do best, which is lead amazing camps, form amazing relationships with their customers, and not worry about, you know, having to learn how to build their own website, yeah. learn how to do their own bookkeeping, or, or worse yet, try to build their own system to do these things. Yeah, no kidding. That's you, awesome. you mentioned Chick-fil-A earlier, and, and I wanted to come back to that because not many people in the fitness business would look to a fast food restaurant to model processes after. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of a common theme, I think, even through just our conversation, is you're a very process-oriented guy. And I love processes. Like, I mean, that's, I don't watch a lot of TV, but like Marcus Lemonis, The Prophet, I love yeah. that guy. He's process, process, process. Um, what made you look to Chick-fil-A? I know you, you talked about their business model being unique in the sense of becoming an investor, owning a Chick-fil-A unit, but just their, their business, well, the singular thing that really kind of drew you to that. Yeah, I mean, from a, an owner-operator perspective, Chick-fil-A is probably the most lucrative small business opportunity that exists and most people don't know that and so while being a financial advisor I, uh, I acquired a couple of um, operators as clients and it's like the best kept secret um, that they have this amazing team-based model and if you've been to Chick-fil-a you've experienced the consistency and the quality of the food the consistency and quality of the service uh, of the overall experience and the average profit to the operator of a Chick-fil-a is 2x their nearest competitor um, and so they're doing so much right. Mm -hmm. And it's because they built a model from the ground up that says it, the, the quality experience matters um, and that kind of informs everything. And so it does cause you to grow a little slower if you grow in that way. But in the end game, if you wait long enough, and you kind of saw this with 
Apple versus Microsoft as well. When you put that energy into quality and into an ecosystem that you can more tightly control, um, you can, uh, in the end, deliver a better experience for customers. And one example I would point to that is um, Chick-fil-A snapped their fingers and I don't know how many stores they have, maybe, maybe 15,000, 10, 15,000. And in a month, they all had an app and they all had an ability for you to order online and to show up and to just pick it up. <laughs> Think about how impossible that would be to execute at McDonald's or Burger King or KFC, yeah. where you have thousands of franchise owners that have you know, their own contracts, their own agreements. I can do this. Limited you know, uh, prices and participation may vary. Um, that's, that's kind of the franchise model. You ran that off pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and same thing like CrossFit. If CrossFit wanted to do something really cool and they wanted to get every single one of their um, boxes to do it, they can't do it because they didn't build it that way. They're an amazing brand. They're, they're doing an amazing thing out there in fitness. We're just different. And so when we rolled out our rewards program, we rolled it out in all you know, 3,000 locations. We rolled it out instantaneously. Um, and all of our 800 operators operate with the same ideas of, of consistency and quality and on the same platform. And so um, that's what we tried to take from Chick-fil-A is the consistency and the quality. Yeah, I that's love awesome. that. That's a great kind of lesson yeah. because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know, find somebody who's yeah. doing it right and kind of model it towards your own business. Yeah. Yeah, and that new scramble hash they got. Just, <laughs> he just, just tried that knees. the other day, apparently. That's right, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what else? You, you notice how they always say my pleasure? Yeah. They actually don't teach yeah. that. Did you know? They don't? No. It just comes from osmosis of yes. being there? Yeah, I read in an article a while back that, that they don't teach my It just picked up from every employee. It just kind of passed yeah, on. Yeah, I love the psychology of that. You know, most people say thank you, and you say you're welcome. Um, and it's kind of a little bit of a like, yeah, you, know, you should be thanking me. Yeah, <laughs> um, but, but whenever they say my pleasure, it's like no, 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 no. Like, don't thank me. This is what I do. Yeah. I, I want yeah. it. My, I live to delight you. Mm -hmm. That's what they're saying when they say that. Yeah, they definitely. And this is not a knock on any other fast food chains, but they have the nicest employees. Yeah. You know, they they do. Mm -hmm. They always have a smile. They. You yeah, know, even when they're out there in the rain, well. working oh. the drive-through for them, double you know? drive-through, <laughs> double drive-through. Yeah. And one last lesson on that: it is extremely rare for a Chick-fil-A operator to have more than one store. That's right. Yeah. And so, uh, in in like a Subway model, most of the Subway franchise owners, I mean, they really need to own like five to seven in order to to be able to um, make that work financially. But if that's the case, you're just very rarely in your store. But in the Chick-fil-A model, when it's you and your store, that's your baby. That's the house that you're living in. Those are your employees. You know them by name. Uh, and, and so that, that attention to detail by having the owner-operator there is, is what's so critical. And that's what we decided at CG. We don't allow our trainers to farm out their location. You can't become a, an operator with CG and then hire your own crew of trainers to just do it. And CrossFit, you can. You know, CrossFit, you can have the affiliate box, and then you can have some CrossFit affiliates under you, and yeah. you can just be at home you know, cash and checks and not at your own box. But CG doesn't work that way. Yeah. You have to run your own location. It is very, I mean, it's very similar. I had a good friend in college, uh, Brad, who he started working for Chick-fil-A when he was 16 years old when he started driving. And I was going to school in Belton at Mary Harden Baylor, and he was from Waco, and he would drive every day. He By the time he got to college, he was an assistant manager mm -hmm. under his operator. And so that guy really mentored him. And Brad's plan from the day he started working at Chick-fil-A was to acquire Chick-fil-A. And once he was in his mid-20s out of college, he got his business degree, he did get one. Um, but yeah, he would go to Atlanta for like the training once he got into the yeah. pipeline. And he would tell me, it was at that time when the, well, I guess he got his, his sometime after, right around the recession. But he said, man, you wouldn't believe this. He's like, we're getting applicants, or Chick-fil-A is getting applicants from CEOs of other businesses that have failed and all this stuff. And he said, but they're still going back to people like me 
yeah. that have been in the pipeline. The blood, so, sweat, and tears. Yeah. yeah. No, no substitute for that. Well, the old boy in College Station, I guess, is running a monopoly in town because I know he's got at least two. It's That's rare. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. let you do it once you've got that, you know, yeah. decade he's or two under your belt. He's been in the game belt. a while. Yeah. yeah. I, I've so. met a couple of people that had like a mall location and a freestanding and yeah. Yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So. Well, cool, man. Jeff, this has been great. I know you got some somewhere to be here soon, but uh, I mean, what what do you want to leave our, our listeners with? Um, kind of any parting thoughts on CG or? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I would just just say that um, that man, what a great industry to be in. If if you're in the fitness industry or the health and wellness space, like to wake up each day and to think about how can I make someone else's life better, more fulfilled, maybe help it last longer. I think it's there's not enough people doing it. There's not enough people doing it with the the right intentions, and uh, and so if that's you out there, I would just encourage you that um, it's a it's a great uh, way to spend your your years in doing that. And Al and I are very honored to to work with almost a thousand of the just greatest people we've ever met, and we're honored to have the opportunity to train over a hundred thousand people that are that are part of the CG family. And uh, we're never stopping. Like this is. This, this is a domination. Yeah. we're living in forever. And so um, we want to keep bidding. We're not perfect. We want to keep getting better and, and keep living out that mission every single day. I'd like to fire away a few just quick take, take homes for, for some people. Yeah. Um, what, and we can kind of bounce back and forth here, but what are, what's the one book on entrepreneurship you would recommend our listeners grab? There's so many good ones. I would say acquire the habit of reading. Uh, if I had to pick one, I would say E-Myth made a pretty big difference mm-hmm. in the way I think about roles in a company. Great book. E-Myth Revisited. Fantastic. Yeah. You got anything? What's, um, oh man. Hmm. I see you follow any specific diet or anything? No. Yeah. No. The, um, yeah, I would just say no. (laughs) I'm more of a, you know, be active, go to camp and, uh, do that enough that I rely on a faster metabolism to allow me to, to eat more of what I eat want. Eat what you enjoy. Yeah. I just really like a cheeseburger, and uh, and so I'm, I'm hanging my hat on that for a little while longer. Um, Hop Dotty fan? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, here in Austin. We just got on. one in Fort Worth on 7th, so we've, we've, we've frequented that one out much. Yeah. a few yeah. too many times. It's a, it's a great company. Yeah. They, do, they do great business. What's um, You're working 100-hour work weeks, I have to ask. What's kind Not of, anymore. Not anymore. I'm telling but, you, I'm thinking about 70 now. What's, uh, what's the one piece, like, tool that you would use to kind of stay on track, similar to an Evernote or, you know, a, a note-keeping app? Well, I would, if I could go back and one do one thing different, I would have hired a full-time executive assistant five years earlier. So, yeah, there's tons of tools, and, you know, Wonderlist is a, a tool that – Allie, myself, and our executive assistants used to have shared to-do lists, and um, you know, of course, I don't. We don't dig in, but most of our teams are on Asana as project mm-hmm. management tool. Uh, but um, but most people that are building a business don't recognize the disparity of value in the task that they're doing. Um, some like when you're business planning three years from now, I would probably argue that that hour is probably worth like anywhere from one thousand to fifty thousand dollars. And whenever you're maybe responding to a basic email, that task is worth like $12. And so the very moment that you can make yourself redundant by having um, a right-hand man or woman that can be there with you as, a, as an executive assistant, and that might be a forty dollars to $60,000 annual investment, um, I would say it, it you know, probably made me 2x better um, the moment I went. And I had, had kind of dabbled with interns. I dabbled with personal assistants that were – you know, kind of younger and not full time, and then they quit. And 
And so when I finally made the investment in uh, Elizabeth, who's been you know on my team for almost four years now, I, like my game went to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah. What's so, your opinion on the virtual assistants? I think it's a great it's a great um, step. Yeah. So the worst is to do it all yourself. It's the most misunderstood uh, part of entrepreneurship. Is like oh you know it's, there's so much value and I get my hands dirty and I do all these things. But as soon as you can um, free up yourself like Emith to be that entrepreneur and not the tactician or the manager then your business has a chance to grow. And every minute that you're not doing that, uh, you're really causing your business yeah. to suffer. Awesome. That's a great parting piece of guidance. Yeah. yeah. Find like a it. team, find a teammate, <laughs> find a support person, and make sure you find a great one because they're going to be representing you and, and make that investment a little earlier than you think you need to. Awesome. awesome. And if people want to find out more about camp, I'm sure it's just uh, campgladiator.com. Check us out, campgladiator.com. We're all around Texas, Florida, North Carolina. Um, Colorado, Louisiana, and uh, and coming to Tennessee next year. Awesome. I see the bumper stickers everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Shirts everywhere. Hey, thank you. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate the time. You.